Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Chapter 6, I wanted to read something. Um, I heard Matt teaching on the way in this morning. So, and he had shared something that reminded me of what we're what we're in today in Acts chapter 2 verse 17 it says in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see uh, shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy And I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs of the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Then the sun sun, uh, shall be uh, turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So one of the things he talks about is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And so... He's talking about the pouring out of, of the Holy Spirit convicting, right? And then the Holy Spirit that's poured out on the believers and the work that's being done through the, uh, the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's something that we have to remember is that we are in the last days. And um, one of the things that we want to do is there's a lot of stuff that gets done within the church. And it's done within natural ability. Uh, it's done by programs, and, and I'm not talking about computer. I'm talking about somebody comes up with the best way of, this is how you can grow your church. 101 ways to grow your church, or they write a book on it. That kind of stuff you have to be careful with. Because what we're looking at tonight is, is the work of the Holy Spirit and, and, and being filled uh, and understanding what the Bible teaches about that. And so that's what we're going to be going over tonight. And so uh, the first part he says he has in Chuck Smith from Living Water. um, It says, I am convinced that the greatest need in the church is a renewal of the teaching of the subject of the Holy Spirit. If we we desire to live a spirit-filled life, then we need to become familiar with the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. Now, Last year, we actually went through Calvary Chapel Distinctives, um, and there's a section in there where we actually talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We talk about how the approach is for Calvary Chapel. Uh, We believe that the Holy Spirit still functions today as it did uh, in the early church. Um, Some churches don't believe that, and we'll look at those two polar differences. um, But we also are not charismatic to the point where people are speaking in tongues during worship, um, you know, because we consider that to be, why would God interrupt worship to him? And it brings attention to who? The person that's speaking in tongues. Um, And so 
we have to remember there's a balanced approach to that. I, I believe that there are uh, the, the gift of tongues. I believe that there is the interpretation of tongues. But they're done in a, in a specific type environment, like maybe an uh, afterglow. And there has to be somebody. You can't just get up there and start speaking in tongues and there's nobody there to interpret it. You know, it, it's just there's stuff that we have to be careful of because there is confusion that's put out there by Satan. And, and one of the things that exists uh, today is, is we see um, Satan's strategy is to prevent Christians from understanding what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and its rightful place in, in their lives and has been a huge success. So what Satan does is what you have to understand is every time there's a movement of God, Satan tries to create a counterfeit. And, and it happens. You think about stuff like... You, I, I was reading some... As I was looking over this chapter... Um, I was reading uh, some of the survivors from Jim Jones. And they look at it now and they go... I have no clue how I got to that place. How I believe that. But it happens. Satan used Jim Jones as a, as a dynamic person... And eventually, you know, they found out the truth about him. But there are other cults that have done the same thing. And, and they use God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 12 through 14 says, And what I am doing, I will continue to do, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that they are boasted mission, they work on the same term as we do. This is Paul talking. For such men are false apostles, deceitful worker, workmen, Disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It's an angel of light. And so we see that the, the method that he uses to, to hide the vision. And then the second thing he does is he tries to, he takes aim at the, the, the true scope of, of the work that's being done. And it makes, a, makes it into a deadly error. And so... The devil appears as an angel of light, and, and it's a counterfeit. And so we need to be careful, and this is why testing all things is important. It's like, how do you test it? Through Scripture. If it's the work of God, it'll be, it'll be explained in Scripture. It should be able to be explained in Scripture. I've had, I have sat in meetings where I've some, had people say, well, where's the fruit? And the first thing we have to do is I tell them straight up is like read the book of Ephesians chapter 2 or 3 where it talks about the unity of the body. The event was put together with the unity of what? The body of Christ. So the work was being done. People were saved. Meaning that people came to know Christ. The message of God went out in Matthew 28, 20. Right? But people will do that. Where was the fruit at? We're not fruit inspectors. But we try to be. And we need to be careful of that. It, it, it undermines the work of the church. If it lines up with Scripture, that's what you go by. Right? If it lines up with Scripture, that's what you go by. Now, for us, again, we take a very, a very balanced approach when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so, I've, I've, I've told you all this before. I mean, we've had people where we've actually had to 
in the middle of worship. Everybody's not watching worship. They're watching him. And we'd have to go up and say, hey, you're, you're bringing attention to yourself. And this is not to bring attention to you. It's to bring attention to, to worshiping God. And that does happen. And so we, we need to be careful with that. So two, two areas that we know is that uh, one deals with the emphasis of the experience uh, beyond the uh, being the measure of whatever whether something is a real move of the spirit and so others feel that it's just as strongly that the holy spirit no longer manifests itself today so those are the two two different uh, types of of uh, thoughts so you have one on on one hand that thinks that the emphasis is is their own experience based on feelings and emotion no again it should line up to scripture the others believe the, the Holy Spirit work that was done was only done in the early church is done. There, it's no longer there. Uh, uh, someone that, that believes that, and I'm not trying to hurt feelings. When I bring people up, it's not to try to hurt your feelings. Uh, but John MacArthur, great Bible teacher, believes that the Holy Spirit doesn't operate the way that it did with the early church. Now, he was fine with that while Chuck was alive. When Chuck passed, he decided to go ahead and say something and then talk about the, the Calvary Chapel movement. And it was like, if you had an issue with your brother, you should have done that when he was alive. But he didn't do that. And, and so they had to do a response to it, um, uh, Calvary Chapel, to explain why, why, what we believe in. And so this is why every now and then we'll go over Calvary Chapel distinctives. It's because we need everybody to understand what we believe in. Now, if you go, I've never read Calvary Chapel Distinctives, it's on the website. It's free. And, and we take a balanced approach to all these things. You know, it, that's, that's really when you get, get through the book, that's really what you get from it. First um, John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we have seen many, many deceivers that have gone out in the name of Jesus. And they'll use television, they'll use radio, they'll use books. But you have to be able to discern whether it's, it's Satan disguised as an angel of light. How do you do that? Pastor Louie told me this very early on in my faith. Because I would call him every time I was going to buy a book. He was like, Mike, we got to stop doing this. <laughs> Go to the website, find out what they believe. If what they believe lines up with your beliefs, then read the book. And then you can go from there. So if somebody's a Christian author or it's a movie, there should be an about page and it'll have what they believe. Almost, you know, uh, we have it on our page, you know, and it breaks down everything that we believe as a church. And so you should be able to, to look at it biblically and go, yeah, this is something I can, I can check out or something I can read. It may sound like a lot of work, but I would rather you do that than to get into something and go, man, you've been deceived. Think about what was that movie that came out not too long ago? Lord, I drew a blank on it. The Shack. Oh, yeah. A lot of Christians were deceived. It's a... Uh, it's a feel-good movie, right? You watch it, you see, you see hurt, you see pain, you see relief. God is not a woman. There are so many things in that movie that are wrong. 
But Christians lined up to go see it. And they were deceived. Heaven is real. Little boy. Little boy came out and said, well, they, they, they kind of made me say that stuff. You know, it again, an angel of light is disguised. So you need to be careful what you watch. I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. If you saw the movie, you saw the movie. It's okay. But what I'm saying is you have to be mindful and try to do some... Like, how many of you actually have gone to a movie and looked at the reviews before you went to try to see what it's about? Or you just jump into it head first? Right? Now, before Christ, I used to jump into it head first, and I'd be going, what did I come see? Now, I'm like, I, I got to be careful. I have a wife that I'm taking to the movies, or I have grandkids that I'm taking. I need to know what's in it. I need to protect them. And, and so, we need, to, we need to be able to discern even Christian radio. Like, what am I, who am I listening to? You know, is it a prosperity teaching? So there's just stuff that you need to be, be mindful of. And, and, and what I love is some people have the gift of discernment. Man, if you have the gift of discernment, use that. Because sometimes it's like my wife has discernment. And I believe that's the gift that she has. And when she has it, I just listen because I'm like, okay, that's, I get it. Because sometimes, look, I want to go see the movie. And I'm, she's like, ah, uh, you know. And so how often have you heard Christians say that the, the Spirit moved them to take a certain course of action and then it violated Scripture? All right, this is very important. Do not come to me and tell me that you're doing something and God told you to do this or you've been moved to do this and it goes against the word of God because that is not from the Holy Spirit. Okay? We had a guy in the men's study that did that one time. He went around and next thing you know, he's, God told him he had to go to the Philippines. He was shacking up with some girl. I remember senior pastor looked at him and goes, God would never tell you to do something that contradicts the word of God. That is sexual morality. It's, it, that's the reality of it. That's an example of it. So be careful. So if it's not biblical, like if it's not biblical, then you're, you're, being, you're not being led by the spirit of God. Okay? So you need to, you need to be aware of that. Because people will, their feelings can sometimes move them. Well, you know, it happens. You know, I, I, I need to be in love. So I need, to, I need to hurry this up. And you're jumping into sin. So he'll never move us or act outside of what has been clearly revealed in God's word. And this is where Christians get into a lot of trouble because they trust their emotions and feelings over the Word of God. And you're supposed to be testing them. This is what God's Word says, and I can't do that because this is what God's Word says. Be obedient to the Word of God. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-10, through 10, it says, The coming of lawless one... Is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders 
and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So he mimics. So if, if we see something that's from the Holy Spirit, Satan can mimic some of that stuff. And so you need to be careful. That's how cults are formed. Somebody has an experience, and the experience is not really from God. And the experience carries them, and you've got to be careful. So you test, you test it to, to God's Word. Where does it draw my attention? Unfortunately, much of the of, of we see publicly demonstrated attributed to the work of the Holy Spirit today is nothing more than hype and sensationalism, and and this is where this is where you know it's happening is when it's calling attention to the man or the person, the woman, and not to attention to who Jesus. So if it's bringing attention to the man or the woman who's who's leading it, and not to Christ. You need to be careful of that stuff. And I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 22. It says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Test, not some things, everything. Everything. Including me. We're supposed to be Bereans. Man, if you... Let me... It, I've had, I've, I think Jimmy... I've talked to Jimmy before in his testimony. Something I taught which was wrong, he got up and left. Because he knew it was going against God's word. You test everything. It's, it's our job as spiritual, especially the men of the house, to lead our families. And for, for grandmothers and grandfathers, we should be like, sometimes moms and dads can be busy. So let me tell you something. Grandpa's been testing a lot of stuff this week. <laughs> I'm like, what are you watching? What is that? Turn that off. Let's find something else to watch. You shouldn't be watching that. My daughter comes in. I tell her, did you see what they're, what's up there? And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, that, that's, that's a satanic symbol on the cartoon. And, and they're, they're giving stuff up to a spirit. And I'm like, this is on a cartoon. Turn that off. Test everything. Let me tell you something. It used to be, you could you could have a Disney movie or a Pixar movie. You need to test it. I'm sorry, it, it's it's the world that we're in today. There's so much material that's being put out, stuff that's pouring out. It's it's hard for uh, for parents today to keep up with everything. So apart from God's word, we have, we have no certain revelation from the Lord. So worship that ignores the Bible is not spiritual. That's important. Worship that ignores the Bible is not spiritual. 
There may be emotion and there may be a lot of commotion in it, but unless there's spiritual truth, the Holy Spirit is not at work. Remember, Jesus told his disciples that when the Holy Spirit came, he would what? Teach you all things and bring to you remembrance. In John 14, 26. He also said, testify of me in John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from my Father, the Spirit of the truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He bears witness. Testify. He convicts the world in John 16, 8. And when, the, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He'll guide you into truth in John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his authority, but whatever he speaks, will, uh, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will guide you into all truth. If you don't know, ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to reveal it to you. If you have trepidation, like, is this something I'm supposed to do? Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this moment. I need you to help me. And let me tell you something. He, he will show up. And he'll guide you to the truth. Now, it may not be what you want to hear. Let me tell you something. If he reveals it to you, you need to be obedient to it. Because a lot of people, and, and uh, you know, it's hard to watch somebody who, who's been, who knows the truth and has been revealed to them and take the other direction. Because their emotions and feelings are driving everything they're doing. And yet, the truth has been shown to them. It's hard. But let me tell you, God will show it to you, but you have to, you have to be obedient to it. In John sixteen fourteen, it says, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So therefore, anything that draws attention to an individual, to a particular sign and wonder that has occurred, and not to Jesus, is not a real move of the Holy Spirit at all. And this is important. A ministry that's birthed from your dependency of your worldly ability, abilities and brings attention to you will eventually be exposed by pride in the flesh. That is not a work of the Holy Spirit. I would, you know, and I'm not trying to beat up on the church, but I would say probably 40% of the work that's being done in the church right now because we've gone into this corporate style of church, especially in bigger churches, it's become the work that is dependent on worldly abilities and not the move of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's dependent on what they know how to do when they were in this job and they bring it into this. It'd be no different if a teacher comes in and goes, well, I'm going to run children's ministry, but she runs it like a daycare or, or the way the world would. That's not being run by the Holy Spirit. You're just trying to do what La Petite Academy does or whatever it is. You're just taking what they do, and, and where's the Word of God in it? 
Like we're, you're just taking your worldly abilities. And, and so we have to be careful with that. In 1 Samuel 13, uh, 3, it says, Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines. And that was Geba. And the Philistines heard it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let's let the Hebrews hear. Saul. This is the work of the flesh. You want to see it in the Bible? It's in the Bible. God did the work. But Saul's blowing the trumpet and bringing attention to himself. It's a work of the flesh. And we're not focusing on anybody at this moment, but who? King Saul. And that's, that's not what ministry is about. The mark of a real encounter with the Spirit of God is that it produces humility in our lives. I love what Andrew Murray wrote. It says, Humility is bloomed and beauty of holiness. The chief mark of a counterfeit holiness is the lack of humility. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time He may exalt you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you so you also must forgive. Humility and meekness. That's power under control. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Now then, uh, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Humility. It's part of the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Because you're allowing the God to be glorified and not you. God takes somebody like Moses who has no ability to talk. And he uses them. And now we see in this verse that he's the most humble man on the face of the earth. You know, and, and, and it's, it's a reminder that it's, it's genuine humility is marked in the presence of God. We know Peter. Peter was the same way in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus Jesus' knee and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. John the Baptist, in John chapter 3, verse 30, He must increase, but I must, what? Decrease. John has a successful ministry. But John knows it's time for him to step back. And he does it. And how many of us would do that? It's like the old cartoons where they would tell you, no, 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 don't applause, don't applause, and you're doing like this. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> there was a song uh, my, my grandfather used to sing when I was a kid that, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Old Mac, Mac I forget, Mac Davis song. 
That's that's the reality of some of the people in the church today. And what did it say about John in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11? It says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And the funny thing about that is Jesus didn't tell that to his disciples. Jesus waited till his disciples left. And John's in jail. John's in jail when this is being said. John never hears this. Why? Because he believed in that verse and he must increase, but I must decrease. Humility. You're not trying to bring attention to yourself. And one of the things that, that when we talk about humility, he talked about the demonstration of Reed House, a man of God that was... Uh, had asked for the Holy Spirit to fill. To fill not only their thoughts, the presence, uh, the place, uh, to penetrate the, the darkest recesses of the heart. And he said, and, and, and we saw pride, self-motives, underlining everything we had ever done. Lust and self-pity were discovered in places where we had never suspected it. And the Spirit impressed on us, who is in control of your life? Me or you? And that's a question that we have to all ask ourselves tonight. Who is in control of your life? God or you? Because humility makes way for both power of the, and power and the glory of God to be manifested in and to be known through our lives. Christ's life is the greatest demonstration of glory, humility, and power that is the world has ever seen. He's conceived by the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. He was baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 3, verse 22. He filled and led by the power of the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. He empowered for ministry by the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. And he was resurrected from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. So the question you have to ask is why would God desire to have uh, us to have this power in our lives daily? Right? He's blessed you with it. And what are you doing with it? We're going to talk. I'm actually going to finish these last two chapters up this week and next week. And then that leaves me with one Wednesday before we start Genesis. And on that, on that Wednesday, we're actually going to spend that Wednesday talking about what the function of this church is. I had a conversation with Pastor Leonard from uh, First Baptist Divine, and and it sparked something that that I I just I, and even through this book, I really believe we need to establish as a foundation for the church because so many churches have forgotten what the biblical foundation of the church is, which is the Great Commission. That's what our job is. And we've gotten too busy. And we're good because we're a small church. We're doing a lot of this stuff. But I want to make sure that this small group that we have, as the church grows, I want to make sure that it stays with that mission. And there will be a number of things that we'll go over. But making disciples and sharing the gospel is foundational. And churches have gotten away from that. Churches have spent more time trying to entertain, 
and and you know they they they've just gotten away from the main thing which is to make disciples and share the gospel the great commission and and i don't want to do that as as us as we you know even as we look at cactus fest and we're going to be out there on october 8th for the the grand opening of the winstrom um grand opening i'm going to mess it up if i say it the ranch but we're going to be out there i'm not sure what we're going to do as a church but we'll figure something out and the reason why we want to do that is again it's an opportunity for us to meet more people in the community it's an opportunity for us to invite them to church to pray with them to talk with them that's what cactus fest is mission divine again a church doesn't function when it's functioning inward and every time you add, and this is something to remember, every time, I believe there are foundational ministries, youth, children's, right? We pray that we have eventually a men's and women's. Those are foundational. All the other stuff is fluff and sprinkles on the cake. And we got to be careful. Because every time you start a new ministry, it stretches the servants further and further from the main thing which is evangelism sharing the gospel and making disciples and, and it's happening it's I, you know you got corporate churches and they got to have a ministry for this and they need to have this and, and all these little things and every time they start something new it stretches the body and then what are we doing we're serving each other and we're not really doing what we were called to do. Teresa had gave me something today. I had posted it today as it, it compared the two of the, the cruise ship or the battleship. We're on a battleship. You're in the last days. There'll be people as you lay your head in bed tonight that will go to hell. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. And he wants, to, he wants to use you to glorify who? God. He used the, the Holy Spirit's power as an as a illustration. When you, have, when you have a steam and a steam engine, its purpose is to drive the engine to move it somewhere. But all some people want to do is use the steam to make a whistle blow. They're making a lot of noise, but they're not going anywhere. They're drawing a lot of attention to themselves, but nothing's happening. God doesn't give us this power for our amusement. It's not, it's not so we can sit in our churches and feel good about ourselves. God wants to empower our lives, making them a testimony to the lost world around us. A testimony of who Jesus is and what he can do. And God gives us power so that we can fulfill the plans that he has for us and overcome sin in our lives and, be, and, and behave wisely in every situation. God powers in our lives is meant for our own experience and meant to bring him glory. We want to give possession of the power of the Holy Spirit to use it. And God wants the power of the Holy Spirit to, possess, to get possession of us and use us. And that's how it is. Some people want the power to possess it. But it's like that's God is trying to possess you. 
and use you. But you're over there just pulling the, the whistle. <laughs> and you ain't moving nowhere. And you're just bringing attention to yourself. This is actually from uh, Pastor Sandy Adams. I love this. Because one of the things I, I, I pray is that Calvary Chapel is more adherent to the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And what, what God is doing. He says, I am sure that you've heard the familiar refrain, a church that is, has the word without the spirit will dry up. A church that has the spirit without the word will blow up. But a church that has the spirit working through the word will grow up. And let me add one more line. And the church that is proud, it has the word, and pretends to have the spirit, causes God to throw up. Because they're a lukewarm church. Oh, Sandy, he's such a wordsmith, right? <laughs> but honestly, it's, it's a reminder to us is that it's, the, it's, it's through what God does through his word, right? And through the power of the Holy Spirit that it actually helps us to grow. And so we have to be careful not to crowd out the Holy Spirit. And understand, like, if you... We've taught on this before, so you can go online and, and go to Calvary Distinctives. That they're all on YouTube and on the website. And it, it actually goes over the gifts of the Spirit. We, we actually break down each one of those. And, and, uh, and, and so if you, you need more understanding on that, it's there. Because this is not one of those extensive studies on the gifts of the Spirit. And we know that it, there's such things as tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, healings, and uh, and those things still happen today. But there are a group of, of Christians that believe that they're not. And he gives three simple uh, reasons that he believes that all gifts of the Spirit still operate today. Uh, one is there's no scriptural basis for believing that the gifts are no longer val valued. There's nothing in Scripture that says they stopped. Two, the church history confirms that the gifts continue to be in operation. Three, Jesus' warning about false signs and wonders that are completely unnecessary if all signs and wonders were going to cease in Matthew 24, 24. And so, Paul warned Timothy about those who would come to, among the believers to try to deceive them. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. And that type of power is, like he said, is no different than making God look like a piece of wax fruit. It looks pretty, but it's not good for anything. So again, what we need to do is, is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now... Not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What we need is, is the Word of God working on the outside together with the Spirit of God working on the inside. Then we will have the wisdom and we'll know the difference between truth and something that's not from God. We need to be in God's Word. That's why it tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is given by 
inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So who's in control of your life? You or God? And are you that, that steam whistle that's not moving? You're not moving anywhere. You're on the train. You're on the tracks. But you're just pulling the whistle. Bringing attention to yourself. Depending on your own abilities. You got to be careful with that. Okay? I think the most beautiful thing is to see somebody who has no ability. And then God gifts them. And you go, where did that come from? Only from God. Only from God. Like somebody who, who's never taught before and they get up there and they start teaching. You go, where did that come from? God gifted them. And it brings glory to who? God. But the moment that it starts bringing glory to that person, beware and, and you need to, <laughs> you know, be mindful of it. You know, so that's what it, that's what it means to test all things. Y'all need to, again, scripture, uh, football field event. So was there fruit in it? Yeah. We saw Ephesians being lived out because we saw the body of Christ working together in unity. Different parts of the body. We saw multiple churches working together. We had somebody place it on his heart to give up a, I know it's just a horse trough, but that's what we baptized people. They gave it to us for free. Which is going to actually be used to baptize some more people in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is a beautiful thing. I talked to Leonard. Uh, their church is fixing to move to two services. It's growing that, ba that, that quickly. Not badly, quickly. They're connected to the schools now. People that got saved that day from his church are serving. People who never served saw that that day and now are serving. Greg, one of the guys that was there on the football field worshiping, is now serving and helping with the kids. You just, again, you just test it. Great Commission was done. The gospel went out. People were saved. People were baptized. Those people are being discipled now. And so, and now there's connection to the schools. And we're hoping to be in the schools in October. Matter of fact, I'm going back to pray at, at, in Divine for their first school board meeting, I believe, in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's... But when we start asking, where's the fruit? We have to be very careful with that. Because you're questioning what God's work is. But you need to question it through Scripture. 
If you go to me and say, well, Mike, this only brought attention to this. Then I can say, okay, well, where is it at scripturally? Show me what's, how it did that. I'll gladly talk to you about it, but we need to, and, and if you have questions, like, ask. Because understand that Satan is always trying to create a counterfeit. Always. Okay? And we have to be careful with that. This is a great chapter because I think a lot of Christians, they, they'll, they'll, they'll follow emotions and commotion. That looks good. Let's go over there. And that's how cults get started. And there have been many, many cults over the years. Many. And there'll be many more probably. Because men love bringing attention to themselves. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.